Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. So I just have to explain the reason on the last episode that you said you rang to check on me. Yes. Because there was a teeny tiny drama in my house because my husband, we thought he was having a heart attack, which was no fun at all. He got no, up in the night awful. and he was having trouble breathing. His chest was all tight. And the ambulance men came and they're lovely and I love them and they're so oh, nice. Oh, they're beautiful. And it made me appreciate what ambulance people do because right throughout the pandemic, people would have called them into their homes. Mm. They don't know what home they're coming into. Yeah. Who's got what? How did they find your house? We gave them a dress. No. No, you've got like gates and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like your house is, is kind drawbridge. of difficult. Yeah. The <laughs> men on the horse have to come out. Yeah. They had to squeeze through the gates because the gates can be a little bit tight. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, they got in okay. I made Bailey go and stand out there with the torch so they would know and we had all the lights on outside. But they got a little bit distracted because so we're in the living room and they're doing care and they've got all the EKG things and they're testing his heart and testing all wires and stuff coming off of him and they pretty much decided that he was having a heart attack, which he wasn't in the end. But anyway, he was pretty crook. And... um, they started asking questions about the house because it's an old house. They're it's like, oh, what's what's that part over there? Does someone else live there? And I said, no, no, that's part of the house. That's just like the – Your house oh, is really? very interesting. And they, <laughs> they wanted a little tour. Kieran's sitting on the couch like turning blue. And they're like, take us for a tour. <laughs> oh, really? What's what's around there? Oh, well, come around and I'll show you. <laughs> Kieran's like, excuse me. Are but they are here? very caring. And so, yeah. so, like 50% of what they do is just being understanding and reassuring people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's and I was amazing. very mature. Can I just tell you when I was mature? When yes. I didn't want to be, I really wanted to not do this. So okay. they put him into the back of the ambulance, and yes. I said, I, "I'll go and get the car, and I'll follow you up there." And they said, "No, you can't come because the hospitals have got all these COVID rules." You know, later. And I, what I wanted to do yes. was scream yes. and get into the back of the ambulance with yes. my husband, who I love and thought was dying at this point. Mm. Um, I wanted to punch the ambulance men. No, you I wanted violence against ambulance, the the ambulance officers store. is bad. Yes. I wanted to get my car out of the garage and ram the back of the ambulance. Yes. I'm glad you're saying I wanted, not yeah, I did. And I did. Yeah. I was very mature about it. I said, oh, okay. And I must have had a look on my face because they said, well, you can call the hospital and check because they've all got different rules. Mm. And I, I was like, oh, no, it's okay. I'll accept what you're saying. I'm okay no, with but that. Like, even calling the hospital and checking, and I'm not saying your husband's a dog, but that's what I did with my dog. It's not what you do with your husband. I know. That's what they said yeah. I had to do. And uh. they said, don't ring back for two hours. Oh, this is what they said to my dog. So I set the alarm <laughs> for two o'clock in the morning, woke up and rang them. And the nurse that yes. answered, she forgot I was on the phone and she oh. went off to chat to someone and then she hung up on me. And I rang back and said, I think we just got cut off. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm thinking... Is my husband still alive? alive? I'd like to know. I was polite. I was, again, very polite again. Mm. Um, Anyway, he's fine. He's fine. Okay. Mm. It's a very good – it's a a right fright, though. It is a right fright. And one more thing, if you've been watching anything good, I've been watching – have you seen – Kirsten and I are going to have a fight now. Oh, no. Oh, you're going to say – Queen's Gambit, are you going to say that? No. I don't. I haven't watched it yet. What are you going to say? No. You gonna say I, I watched it. Uh, I watched it. No. Is it good? I I've just... been watching The Crown, though. 
Oh, so have I. Oh, I love Ooh. the crown. Oh my God, I love it too. Yes, I love it. I, I love, love the queen. It. I love Googling what she's been up to. She, last week she went riding on a horse. I hate she Camilla. She is 94 years old. <laughs> I, know. I know. I want Camilla to... I know. And you know, since The Crown, for anyone who watches it, since The Crown has aired this yep. season, uh, Charles and Camilla have had to turn off their comments yes. on their social media yes. because they've been getting so much hate. Good. Because people don't realise all the shit that went down. And everyone knew at the time, everyone hated her at the time. Mm. And all these years since Diana died, they've been like getting the public to accept them. And then one TV show airs and... Bang. Bang. It's all it's, undone. I know. Again. And I've Googled yeah. for people that haven't watched. It's okay. It's not a massive spoiler, I don't think. But like I, I've Googled bracelets and things to yeah. see yeah. what comes up. And, and like it's all there. Because I felt a teeny bit sorry for Charles along the way because he clearly, um, I think he, he was trapped. Does love Diana, did yes. love Diana. But then Camilla was just this presence. She should have stepped away. She should have gone. You go do what you have to do. She knew about his duty. But she clearly loved him because they're still together now. Yeah, she's already married to someone else. I know, but sometimes that happens. (laughs) Oh, Dee Dee, this is a podcast, so I'll explain what just happened. She (laughs) rolled her eyes at me. (laughs) Yep. Sometimes that happens, though. I'm not. Ta- I'm not a Camilla lover. You're a, you are a Camilla. I'm not lover. a Camilla you lover. Are I am not frumpy. You're oh, and you frumpy. smoke. You're frumpy and you smoke. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, that's who you Jesus. are. Jesus, that's your friends. That's I know, who but die, Princess Die is just the the most beautiful, the golden do, mushroom. Yeah, can hair. do no wrong. Swoosh. Blue mm. eyeliner. Yeah. She had blue eyeliner and I had a top that had – did you see the one she wore? It was like a green dress. It was like a sailor top. It's got like a white sort of – Yeah, I know like the one. clerical kind of thing around it. I, yep, yeah. I had a navy blue cardigan that see? had like a lace thing at the top like that. Yeah, she's I dressed very trendy. Like Princess Diana. Yeah, everyone. It was okay to wear flats because she mm. wore them. See? I love her. Okay. I did my year two oh, – Year 12 media assignment on the role of the paparazzi when it comes to Mm. the invasion of celebrity privacy. And I I remember doing a PowerPoint presentation and it had like the crash photos in it. You can tell I was fucked up from the. Yeah, they're awful. She also was the master of playing the media. And I can remember Mm. the. I think it was the Queen uh, The Queen and Prince Philip came out here because I bumped into Prince Philip. It was a. They'd gone to a. um, Um, What? What are you. In well, what world? Like, here we where? go again. Yeah. Here we go again. <laughs> well, I was... Oh, did I not tell you about the time I bumped into Prince? No. Into Prince well, no, I, oh, I didn't tell you about that. Backwards into him. Well, they had gone That's to a... a pr- I you was could covering... get locked up in jail for that. No, no. He, well, they were mingling with children. It was at a primary school, and I'm trying to remember where. It might have been Somerville, I think, down okay. on the Mornington Peninsula, and I was covering it for the newspaper I was working for at the time. And they were mingling with the children, because I think it was in that time when Diana was so popular. I'd have they to were look trying up when to get some of their fame back. Here. Yes, they were trying okay. to a bit of the goodwill and stuff. But he was mingling and I was must have been stepping backwards and bumped into a person and turned around and whoa. And it was the prince. We would never get H-I-H. that close to them these days. No. No. There is no chance. Well, see, Diana changed all that. She made it okay. I remember the moment where, do you remember AIDS was sweeping the world and everyone yes, was terrified? Yes, she hugged and, a child. Mm-hmm, yes. And um, I think in a leprosy centre yeah, where people okay. were being treated for leprosy, she touched them. And But it was the mm. AIDS thing and it was like she, she did so much good. She's an angel, an absolute angel. 
Mm, but Bart, mm. one of the British media who just permanently is on tour with the royal family whenever they're doing stuff and covering it, he I can remember him saying to me that she was genius at just giving the media enough, letting them know where yeah. she'd be. She would give them a look she because she knew how to play them to her advantage. She realised early that she had – that yeah, was her Yeah, I saw something online and, you know, I don't – I'm not 100% sure if this is right, but she apparently said that she always used to wear the same outfit mm. to the gym so that they wouldn't get money out of taking photos of her going to the gym. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, when she that. didn't want to be followed so yeah. that there was no – that all the photos looked the same from the day before and the day before, so there was yeah. no money in them. And she would get out of her car and kind of walk backwards around the back of it and then walk forward into the gym so they would never get a shot of her face. So not only was she wearing the same clothes, there was no shot of her face. And That's she, very clever. Yeah, so that they would stop coming to the gym. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Like that. Who goes first? I'll were you, go. Were you going to say what you were watching? Was it The Crown? Oh, yeah. No, no, sorry, no. I okay, cut you so, off. I got, I got obsessed. Uh, we Are The Champions on oh. Netflix. It's on all these different competitions. The first one is on that cheese rolling competition in England oh, where yes, they roll cheese down and the, which they're all crazy. The second one yes. is on and I have to say that after the second one I don't like the rest. There was one on hairdressing, there's a dog one. You're really I don't selling like this to us. <laughs> Episodes one and two are good though. Watch okay, the cheese well, cool. one. Episode okay. two is on chili peppers. It's a hot chili pepper eating competition. Oh and people go oh. Yes. And they drink a lot of milk. And Kirsten and I had an argument the other day because I hate chilli and I don't understand why people eat it. I don't know why you want to. It hasn't got a flavour. It's just no, heat. No, and I, I said it jala- does have a taste. It does. Right? Like, thank you, yes. I eat jalapenos. Jalapenos. I don't know how people jalapenos. say Jalapenos. Jal- <laughs> <laughs> I eat jalapenos um, straight out of the jar. Like yeah, yum. Not even cut, just to hold one out straight in the mouth. Yeah. I don't get it. Oh, I'm out watering Why just do you thinking want to burn about yourself? them because they're so delicious. They're yum. Just poke a hot With the match food in your I eye. just ate, had, I, had, I asked for jalapenos on it. I don't get it. It's good. It's just going to give you the burning ring of fire. It's a sacrifice yeah. you make for the taste. Which really? Is very good. Oh, no, I don't want that. I don't want my house on fire. We can't talk about do the burning ring of fire. Don't don't too many you. people know about my bowel movements. Mm. Clean colon, we've heard it. Whatever. I know. Urine my sample, please. My IBS issues, all of that. We've been through it. So I probably shouldn't eat chili, but whatever. Here I am. Um, okay. We're in Cheeseman Park in Denver, Colorado, United States. Uh, it's just southeast of the city, Cheeseman Park. On the three sides, there are beautiful houses and mansions. It covers 80 acres with thousands of trees. It has paths, fountains, and beautiful lawns. But back in 1858, Cheeseman Park was a graveyard called Prospect Hill Cemetery. The name was later changed to Denver City Cemetery. It stayed a cemetery uh, until 1890, and then she got weird. By that time, not many people were buried there, so a Colorado senator named Henry Moore Teller convinced the U.S. Congress to convert the cemetery into a new park to be named Congress Park. You can't just turn a graveyard into a park. Yes, we did this on our show, me and Kirsten, and people rang up, and I can't remember if they said yes or no today. I think it was no. Yeah, I think it was no. It's a no. Leave the grave alone. Yeah. Family members with dead bodies in the cemetery were given 90 days to move the remains or their loved ones to another grave site. Exhuming a body and moving it was expensive, though, so some people did, but others couldn't afford it, so they left the bodies there. There were also a number of bodies that nobody had claimed 
because they were either criminals or they were homeless people. As time ticked by, authorities eventually assumed that no one was coming for them, so they were just left in the ground. There were about 5,000 bodies still in the ground. Denver wanted their park, but they also didn't want to build a park on dead bodies. In That's a lot, 5,000. It's a lot, isn't it? It's yeah. not like there's two over in the corner. Yeah. They're everywhere. It's a whole city This is a full-blown cemetery. In 1893, they hired an undertaker named E.P. McGovern. His job with 18 of his employees was to dig up and relocate the bodies. How much do you need to get paid to do that job? Oh, just you Pretty and 18 gross. people what digging year? up 5,000 bodies. Is How long is it going to take? What year is it? 1893. I'm going to do some quick math. What are the tools you're working with here? This is going to be you and a shovel. Well, you need... Oh, yeah. There's got to be at least two feet of dirt oh, to dig up. They haven't got I'm tractors. Out. You need to be digging up at least 8.2 bodies a day to get mm. it done in a year. Okay. Mm. <laughs> You're not putting a price on it? Well, I'd need at least $5 million for to do that for a whole year. <laughs> A whole year of just digging up dead people. And that's with no days off. That's no days off. Non-stop. Come on. Wow. Imagine the stench. Like people would complain, I work in a chicken shop. I just go home stinking like chicken. Imagine if you're E.P. McGovern, you'd be like, oh, I stink like dead bodies because all I do is dig up dead bodies all day. You know, there are consequences. Anyway, he was paid $1.90 per new burial. That's not a lot. He put each body in a new casket and transferred it to the Riverside Cemetery, which is about 8 k's away. It was pretty gruesome work, but it seemed that McGovern was doing a good job digging up each plot. Like Chanel Vella, who just doesn't start until you go (laughs) a million. I ain't getting out of bed unless you give me $5 million. Meanwhile, EP slogging away for a dollar per body. Right? He's gone a dollar 90. I'm like, "Mm." that's not much. No. No. He'd dig up each plot, put the bodies in a casket, and then move them across town. He apparently, he he was making okay money. He was being paid $9,500. That's about $270,000 in today's money. Yeah, that's pretty but good. But a short time into the contract, somebody oh, noticed short of five million. that <laughs> I'm an expensive gal. Somebody <laughs> noticed that a lot of the caskets being taken from the cemetery were children. Either the official records of burials were wrong and someone hadn't noted that there was a high number of child burials there. Here's what McGovern had been doing to increase profits. Instead of putting each body into a single casket, McGovern and his crew were splitting the bodies into pieces. Oh. (laughs) And putting the pieces... See, if you paid me yes. five mil, mm-hmm. you would get a thorough, a a thorough job. job. Intact bodies. You pay f- peanuts, you get peanuts. Right. That's the <laughs> motto, right? So anyway, old McGovern's chopping up the bods and he's putting them into child-sized <laughs> caskets oh. to double or triple the amount he's being paid. Don't look at me for a reaction. I know what's happening. I know. I know I'm saying it's it's dirty, but yeah. it's also kind of smart. Instead of being paid for taking yes. an adult corpse. Don't you think that? Criminals yeah. are like smarter than the rest of yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to have a criminal mind, you have to be like a step ahead, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then the coppers have to be a step ahead of that. Correct. Yeah. Instead of being paid for taking an adult corpse in one coffin, he was splitting them up putting them into two smaller coffins because he's being paid per burial. Mm. Older remains were 
easy to split up, but some of the more recent burials needed a little extra work. The Denver Republican newspaper ran an article with the headline, The Work of Ghouls. It said... The line of desecrated graves at the southern boundary of the cemetery sickened and horrified everybody by the appearance they presented. Around their edges were piled broken coffins, rent and tattered shrouds of... Do you mean rank? Rank and tattered shrouds and fragments of clothing that had been torn from the dead bodies. Mm. All were trampled into the ground by the footsteps of the grave diggers like rejected junk. People were stopping by and gawking at what was going on and some stole souvenirs from the caskets. Can we talk about this? Why are people stealing souvenirs Mm. from dead bodies? I know it's 1890 or whatever, but come on. In those days it was more, death was more, that was when they used to display bodies. Everyone would come and have a look at it. Sometimes when there was a criminal, they would put the body out on display for everyone to see what a terrible person. They'd go and look at hangings. Well, McGovern lost his job. But there were still thousands of bodies on the land. Some were still buried and there were many that had been dug up. Instead of hiring someone else to clean up after McGovern, they started levelling the land and preparing it for a park. There were a couple of reasons. The mapping wasn't great, so they couldn't be certain where the other bodies were and finding them would likely be too expensive and too time-consuming. Anyway, ain't nobody got time for that. No. Just level it. So many of the dead had suffered from smallpox, which is highly contagious. In 1922 to 26, no, in 1920, in 1922, 266 people had died from smallpox, and there was a concern that digging up those bodies may expose people who it was still contagious. Nobody was sure how long smallpox could exist on a dead body. There was one case in England in 1759 where the coffin of a smallpox victim was opened 30 years after they died and it infected an entire village. Oh, God. This changes the game slightly. Some of the open graves stayed uncovered for years until they were eventually filled with dirt and plants were planted on them. The bodies were still buried where they they were just left there. Why? Is everyone lazy in this town? Yep. Okay. Sounds like it. It's estimated that it it's estimated that as many as two thousand bodies are still buried under Cheeseman Park. That's too many. It is. It's not uncommon on why can't I talk? It's not uncommon for workers in the park to uncover bones. In 2008, two rows of coffins were uncovered by crews working near the Denver Botanic Gardens. In 2010, four skeletons were uncovered by people doing irrigation work in the park. Sometimes when there is heavy rain, remains come to the surface. Yes, this is what happens. What? Didn't we have a story in Canberra where that happened? I think so. According to today's research, it's extremely unlikely that there would be any sort of smallpox risk from the bodies buried in Cheeseman Park. So if you live in the area, it's still safe to use that park. But watch out for bones and ghosts. Yes. Because they're real. You don't have to watch out for bones. Well, you would. You have to watch out for ghosts. Yeah, came rushing over. I feel like, you know, there's, I'm acquainted with ghosts, so we're okay. Uh, Alana is one of our pod listeners. And, yes. um, oh, actually, she sent us a picture of her beautiful baby girl, Asta. Mm. Alana's wife would like us to cover the story of Glenis Haywood as it happened with, near where they live in Mount Gambier. I hope I'm not giving too much away there. No one will come after them. No. Um, 
some of the information in this story I got from news reports. I also referred to the newsletter of the South Australian branch of the Australian and New Zealand Forensic Science Society and a South Australian coroner's report. November the 3rd, 2007. A man noticed that some soil had been disturbed on his farm at Wilkin, which is 48 kilometres east of Mount Gambier in western Victoria, where they have a big lake that changes colour. Have you been there? Is Does it turn pink? I think well, I think it does sometimes. Okay. I don't know if that's a different one. It's definitely the Mount Gambier one is like bright aqua blue, something to do with the minerals in the water at the time. Okay. Uh, I digress. This is not a geological pod. It's got nothing to do. What, what are you doing, no, Kirsten? No. I can tell Kirsten's not happy with me. I can tell. What am I doing yes, wrong? See, your voice is really big it's, there. It's like, it looks like a massive earthquake. Yeah, but I was yeah. yelling just then. Yeah, it's because you were yelling. But then I weirdly, so I turned Chanel down and then it became like a very apparent that she was like a different level to you. Chanel, be quiet. Oh, okay, no, I'm sorry. just, I've turned, everything is, everyone is at full volume. Are we just, do we just talk normally? I don't know what to do anymore. I feel like you're talking quiet. Yeah, you get quiet. Do I? Yeah. But I am. That's that's. Are you tired? No, I'm just (laughs) quiet. I just am quiet. You're not quiet. Yes, I am always. No, that's who you want to be. (laughs) That's like when I say I want to be a gym person and I'm not. You want to be a quiet person. You are are not. not. I think I am, And you never will be. Ever. Okay. Um, he called the police. Is that all right? Yeah, that's yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> we'll the we'll let you know when it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Now, this is in recent memory, so let's be sensitive. Okay. okay. November 2007. Uh, they found human remains there, and it was believed to be the badly decomposing body of a woman. It was in a septic pit that had been covered over, which is just awful. Mm. She was shackled. She had been bound to an orange plastic chair. Also in the pit was a handbag and other personal belongings of a woman by the name of Glennis Hayward. So they did a post-mortem. It confirmed her identity, but it couldn't. they couldn't work out how she had actually died. They did notice that Glennis had two broken ribs, multiple skull fractures and severe bruising. She'd last been seen alive in Mount Gambia several months earlier, on July the 23rd, at the home of one of her sons. So, Glennis and her de facto, Neil Haywood, had run a dairy at Mount, uh, Mount Shankin, and she had been trying to get away from him after years of abuse. He was a violent control freak, oh, and no. if Glennis ever fought back, he would fly into a rage. He was described by people who knew him as very weird and a serial wife basher. He had bragged to a neighbour about tying the old girl to a tree and giving her a good going over. So we've got a pretty clear picture of the kind of person he is. Uh, Mm. Glennis never actually married Neil, but she did take his surname. She refused to go to the police or to leave him because she thought that he would kill her if she did. Isn't that a story you hear so frequently? 100%. Um, She had a son from a previous relationship and she had sent him to live interstate after Neil had threatened him. Now, after one of these going overs, Glennis tried to commit suicide, but even then, Neil wouldn't allow her to be taken to hospital. I just want to get a little warning here because there's a thing to do with animals here. So if you're a bit sensitive, just pop your fingers in your ears. 15 seconds. There you go. You've gone to get a cup of tea while this happens. Um, So Glennis loved animals. She especially loved horses. And Neil had once shot a horse in front of her for no apparent reason. How how were there people 
on earth like this. Mm. I don't know how that you could do that. We're all the same being. Well, yep. he'd done a similar you know, thing with a puppy that she'd been given by a neighbour. He oh, killed it. I can't handle the And doesn't that always happen when someone kills animals? It just shows that they have no remorse, no sensitivity. No... I was talking yep. – my dad has recently – he's going vegan. Mm. He's just given up pork and he said in the new year he's going to give up beef because he just can't handle how animals are killed. Mm. And it just – it's a special kind of asshole that – Torches an animal, yeah, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yep, yep. Because they're defenceless. It's I like have a child. No issues. Okay, hold on. Here's the thing: you don't like people being sentenced to death. Mm. Would you sentence someone to death for animal cruelty? Oh, I still no. I still can't. Oh. I, I would lock them up for the rest of their life. I am, and make them mm. listen to. I definitely am. Like on that SAS Australia, I would put in their headphones like squealing of pigs make them listen to the sounds of animals oh, that's especially dark i don't yeah. mind it but it's that would really ha, yeah ha, ha, yeah get but what if they like that yeah funny, ha, if they like got off on oh, it or yeah. something some Ooh. special kind of is that see it's beyond my comprehension you could just play the same track like a, like a fire alarm over and over again yeah drive them crazy mm, yeah yep I'd do that. Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas <laughs> oh, is you. Oh, I love hate that, that song. woman. Don't. I hate her. Ooh, baby. Just sing the notes. You don't have to. Okay. Um, Glennis's brother, Richard Childs, said that Glennis had changed. She had originally been a really jovial and friendly person before she knew Neil Haywood. And since she'd been with him, she'd become very withdrawn and submissive. She cut off contact with her friends and family for a long time. And again, that's the kind of behaviour you see from these kind of blokes. They, they cut you from, you know, they cut you off from your family, so they've got control over you. Absolutely. She stayed with him. Um, she had been humiliated and abused by him for two decades. Finally, she got up the courage to leave Neil Hayward in October of 2006. She told friends that she left because um, she was now being assaulted, also being assaulted and threatened by her oldest son, Thomas. Um. I don't know why that was happening. So after she left Neil, she reconnected with her family and they said that she went back to being the old Glennis and she was getting her life back together and Neil Hayward was furious at this loss of control over this her is and he where was it goes wrong. Mm-hmm, he was unraveling mentally and physically. He claimed his anxiety and heart problems were getting worse since the separation and Paul Glennis lived in fear of him. So she got a new boyfriend, a guy called Chris Sigston, and a mate of his said that she'd asked him to shoot her ex she Mm. said that if he didn't kill Neil that Neil would kill Kill her her. first she just knew that it was going to happen on 27th of of July 2007 her employer and her boyfriend both reported her missing so six days before that before the day they reported her missing her youngest son Matthew who was 20 had invited Glennis to his house in Mount Gambia he wanted her to look at a property that he was thinking of buying. It was a, a former childcare centre in Peak Avenue. He drove her there, and when they arrived, two men jumped out of a side room. One of them was her ex, Neil Hayward, and one was a 26-year-old farmhand named Jeremy Adam Minter. So the police later said that when these two men jumped out at Glennis, Matthew didn't show any signs of surprise. This is the son who'd oh, taken her there. No. He turned his back and he walked out of the house. 
Now, the police claimed that Matthew Hayward, the son, uh, must have been aware of the murder plan. They asked why did he walk off and drive away and leave. He knew that she would not need a lift back. So Neil Hayward and Jeremy Minter kicked Glennis in the face. They shackled her. They bound and gagged her. They wrapped her in curtains. They stuffed her into a wheelie bin while she was still alive. They loaded the bin onto the tray of a ute. Neil Hayward dropped off Minter to Thomas Hayward, who was waiting for him before going onto the property at Wilkin, where the body was eventually found. So in the pit where Glennis's body was found, there was an iron bar that had tape wrapped around it at one end, and an inside layer of that tape had a fingerprint on it, and that fingerprint was Neil Hayward's. So he's a dumb fuck. Can I... How... She must have been so terrified in that yep. moment. Yeah. Yep. Knowing... And- that she'd been abandoned by her son yeah. and that the she betrayal. knew that she was going to yes. die. Yeah. The combination of the two, the terror, but also the one person who you would think, your your son, and she trusted him. That's why she went with him and she, she'd gone there to help him with something. The betrayal is breaks my heart. This is one of the worst it's stories horrible. we've ever done. Yeah. It, it is awful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so police set out to arrest Neil Hayward. He barricaded himself inside a house at Beach Fort. Oh, of course he did. They're always fucking cowards. They're always yep. cowards when the police turn up. Like, yeah. you can beat the shit out of a woman. Sorry, I'm a really angry feminist this year. Mm. Like, I'm really angry. I'm liking it. Yeah, yeah. I'm really – and I, I'm not a man-hater. I don't hate all men. No, but I hate this just, bloke. I just oh, fucking yeah. hate – this shit and they are always cowards and the police turn up and then they always trying to take the easy way out yeah which is killing themselves oh keep that vibe going because mm. there's mm. a bit more for you uh so he's in this house 390 k's southeast of adelaide he had a gun and a knife he claimed to have explosives mm. so for nine hours the police had him in this siege situation he eventually surrendered he was taken away on a stretcher with self-inflicted wounds yeah oh, fucking God, coward you can punch and kick a woman mm. couldn't even you- kill yourself probably Bar- yeah. and you barricade yourself in in a house for nine hours like yeah a pussy he'd stabbed mm. himself in the throat and chest obviously not hard enough mm, so he faced a bedside hearing at mount gambia hospital and was charged with murder he was later held on remand at port augusta prison but while he was in jail awaiting trial his cellmate by the name of roland bat woke to use the toilet at 3.20 in the morning and he saw what he thought was the outline of Hayward's body in his bed and um, he Hayward had a sleep apnea machine which was attached and running but then he also saw feet protruding from under their shower screen so he pulled the shower screen back and he found Neil Hayward hanging with a pair of red underpants over his head mm. and apparently they weren't even his own underpants. His cellmate said they were his so he pulled them off of Neil Hayward's head Um, he then pressed the intercom for assistance saying you better get here quick my cellmate has hung himself and he looks dead Mm. so so, yeah Mm. a social worker gave evidence that Hayward presented as being very sad and lost she said he was fragile and scared and complained that he had been stood over by some prisoners. She described him as having been a very unhappy person and he would cry a lot. Spare me. Anything from you, Chanel, on that? Don't care that he was crying in prison? I just... It doesn't shock me. Right. The social worker said that he blamed his wife 
for what had happened and he regarded her as the bad person and himself as the good person. Mm. He had started a new relationship but the family of his new woman asked her to cut off contact with him and apparently Haywood was quite inconsolable about that. So the inquest found that the suicide could not have been foreseen by the prison staff. So that left Glenys's two sons, Matthew and Thomas, and the farmhand, yes. Jeremy, to face the music. So the police interviewed Matthew Haywood and told him that um, – uh, sorry, he told them that he left, hadn't left the house that night. He said that Glennis had gone out at 10.30 to meet a friend, but he was lying and they had CCTV that showed him leaving in his car. So you're in trouble, mate. Right. He also said that Glennis went on holiday to Melbourne, but her car and some of her things were still at his house and her bank accounts hadn't been touched. A jacket belonging to Glennis was found the next morning on a street in Mount Gambier. And it looked like the buttons had been ripped off of it. Jeremy Minter, the farmhand, was at a local hotel and he was splashing money around. And he told the hotel's doorman that he had killed Glennis and that he shot her in the back of the head for $3,000, which wasn't true. The doorman told police. The police sent in undercover officers. They had a chat to this uh, Minter guy and he told them the details of the assault on Glennis. So Minter allegedly told the officers that Glennis had screamed and screamed and screamed and that he tried to silence her with his hand over her mouth. He said that Neil Haywood had given her a full-blooded kick to the face with steel cap boots and they recorded him saying after being kicked in the face Glennis barely made a sound her hands and ankles were were shackled and her face bound with tape they stuffed her still alive into the wheelie bin she was kicking talking and all that he said the only thing she said to me was I hope you're proud so armed with all of that evidence, the police charged Jeremy Adam Minter with murder and Glennis's youngest son, Matthew Hayward, who was 22 by now, he was also charged with murder. He was the one that dropped her off and left. Both pleaded not guilty. The oldest son, Thomas How Hayward... How do you plead not guilty? I know. They're just dumb. Honestly, these are those kind of blokes that have a perpetual frown on their face. They're just puzzled by life yep. itself. Yeah. They don't understand anything. Uh, the oldest son, Thomas Hayward, so I think he was the one that she had sent away because he was being hit by Neil and the thing. Right. He was charged as well, but he walked free because of a lack of evidence. So, if I mean, it's why did they do it? Because she'd left Neil Hayward. He had a new girlfriend. She had a new partner. Why did they do yeah. it? The dairy business that Glennis and Neil had run together was worth close to $7 million. And as part of their split up, Glennis was entitled to around about $2 million of that. There was also the fact that Neil Hayward was jealous and angry that Glennis was leaving him. And um, she apparently had photos of Neil having sex with an underage girl as well. And I don't know whether that's true or not, but he believes she had those photos as well. So the court was told that Neil Hayward carried out the physical act of killing Glennis, but Minter helped him. Matthew Hayward was the linchpin because his mother loved and trusted him and he was used to lure her to her death. So the witnesses told how Neil Hayward spoke of putting his wife through a mincer mm. and how he asked a young worker if he would baseball bat someone for cash. So, oh. Just horrible. Uh, the jury had to decide whether Matthew Hayward and Jeremy Minter knowingly took part in the murder or whether they were just duped into it by Neil Hayward. They deliberated for nine hours and they delivered their verdict, both guilty and they were both given mandatory life, ter- life terms. 
Um, Glennis's family said they were pleased with the verdicts, but nothing could ever ease the torment they had endured since her disappearance. I can't believe it took nine hours. Yeah. You're right. Strange. It's well, really I think it was time. complex. Probably the part involving the son. Yeah. As okay. to yeah, they may have been how much he deserved to yeah. be punished for what he did, but True. that the betrayal of that, I find that. I mean, you immediately think of your own thing. I, I can't. If my son betrayed me like that, I, I would die. I would. Mm. I wouldn't care what anyone did to me. I would want to just yeah. die of a broken heart. Yeah. At that. Yeah. It's such yeah. a sad story, it's that poor really woman. Sad. Yeah, it's it's awful. really sad. And she'd sad. done all the right things. She'd got away from him. Her yeah. friends, everyone said she had got it, her it life back on It has to be, track. and I'm not a police officer, but it has to be the most dangerous time for a woman, not when they're actually being physically assaulted and beaten day after day, when they leave. Yeah. Mm. Would yeah. have to be the most dangerous time. Yeah. Yeah. So awful. So rest in peace, Glennis Haywood. She's safe from him now, isn't she? Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.